Welcome to the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. This thing is huge. It's the greatest, most outrageous, incredibly fun podcast on the internet today. It's all about the Donald, the most spectacular entrepreneur alive today. For entrepreneurs who also want to dominate their market and destroy their competition. I'm Steve Cypress, here with my co-host, Everett Farnell. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast, the hugest, greatest podcast in the history of podcasting, and I have a momentous, fantastic announcement to make. Believe me, it's fantastic. My one and only esteemed, fantastic, excellent co-host, Mr. Everett Farnell, is back on the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast, so welcome back, Everett Farnell. I, it's amazing to be back. Outrageously good, fantastic, the best experience of my life. I, I can't you know, tell you how happy I am. I was just thinking, as we record this in, in early July, Trump is about to, I mean, he has to at some point, about to, like the conventions in a week or two or something, he's got to be naming his VP soon. And so, you know, as soon as he does that, uh, then I will know how to uh, mimic that outrageously crazy, unbelievable uh, introduction he'll give to his co-host, and that's how we can refer to each other as our, uh, you know, because I'm sure he's going to be the most fantastic, greatest person ever that he's going to announce being the VP. And, oh, I can say it this way, you know, I over the time that Everett was busy making so much money, it's ridiculous, and, and doing his thing, which he'll talk about for a second here, but, uh, you know, while he was busy, I was interviewing potential, I was vetting potential other co-hosts, and uh, I got a short list of about 10 of them. Believe me, these were all fantastic, unbelievable people, but uh, one stood out among all of them, unbelievable unbelievably excellent. You're going to love this guy. Uh, he is just going to be the greatest co-host of all time, and that's Everett Farnell. So there you go. And he's going to be huge. huge. All right. So Everett, you got to uh, you know share the news because it's been a few weeks here that people are on pins and needles to learn what is so incredible and time-consuming and exciting that Everett has to do that he's not here on the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. So I have been attempting in my uh, insufficient way to explain it, but uh, in a, just a short time here, can you clue people in uh, about what's been happening? Sure, sure. Um, well, anybody who's been listening to the podcast knows that uh, I used to be in the roofing business, and uh, there's a local, a local roofer here who I got in contact with, and uh, we, were, we negotiated a deal that um, uh, a very, very profitable deal for me uh, to come to come to work with him as a uh, consultant, as a sales and marketing trainer and build a sales force for him and get his marketing together the right way. And uh, uh, so that's what I'm doing. I, I have an exclusive arrangement with him. And we're just, uh, I, quite frankly, I'm just putting the stuff to, to work that uh, that I know how to do, the stuff from, uh, the stuff we're talking about, the stuff Donald Trump does. Well, just, I love that. Uh, and I remember when I talked to you when you first, uh, you know, were thinking about taking this on, and I was like, it's genius because you left the roofing business because of all the nonsense of the doing and the contracting, the supplies, mm -hmm. all the nonsense of all that. And now you don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Let somebody who thinks doing roofing stuff is like the greatest thing on earth to deal with suppliers and employees and contractors and whatever. And you get to do all the fun money-making stuff, which is which you already have, and you just kind of update it and tweaking it, I know, and testing new things and doing a little bit. But, I mean, you have all the marketing that brings in the floods of people wanting to get roofing jobs done. The only thing that stopped you recently from doing this was then you would have to do the ugly part of actually getting all that work done. But now I right. think it's a perfect uh, uh, marriage. It's a perfect partnership you have where somebody else who actually thinks that's fun 
wants to do that, great. Then he can do all that. And my only question to you, and I'll, I'll ask you again because we really haven't spoken a lot since, was, or if at all, was, uh, you know, make sure, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was saying make sure he has the capacity. Make sure he can hire enough people to do the work because I know that you can have the marketing and hire enough salespeople to bring in as many possible roofing jobs as he could possibly imagine. Yeah, I, I don't think they, they quite understand what's going on because, you know, anytime you do something like this, there's a few weeks where you start building things up and, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're rolling things out. I don't think they, they quite grasp what's about to hit them now in, a, in the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, so uh, it'll be exciting to watch them, uh, watch them scramble. But the good news is that the roofing crews are not hard to find. Um, we just obviously we need to make sure that it's a crew that does a good job. But we can put a supervisor. They have they have enough very knowledgeable roofing people that even if we got to add some crews on, that's not uh, that's not a difficult thing to do. So uh, uh, so getting the work done should not well, be well. And issue. that's uh, that yeah. brings us back to Trump's message because I find that I consult to a lot of contractors and I find that almost all the contractors the same way, especially in last eight years of this depressed, miserable economy, there's so many people out of work, good people, that everyone always has a stash, even in good times, but certainly now, of, oh yeah, I got guys that'll help with any big project. I got a bunch of painters, a bunch of movers, a bunch of carpenters, a bunch of roofers, a bunch of landscapers, a bunch of, you name it, everyone knows people they can call, not to mention, unfortunately, again, because of the crappy economy, other business owners that they can call and sub things out to and whatever. So yeah, that's great news. And uh, and that does bring us back to Trump because that's one of the things he talks about is we got to put America back to work. We got to get manufacturing jobs. We got to get these manual workers, labor workers, we got to get them labor to do, which that is um, argue, uh, it's an arguable point whether that's even possible because everything in society and the world is turning more and more to automation and technology. However, that is the message that resonates with the millions and millions of displaced, unemployed, you know, blue-collar workers in America that over the past eight years of the elite administration have been really displaced. And, of course, that's Trump's groundswell of support. And so that's that's his base that he keeps talking to. Absolutely. And, well, just just one last comment. You're absolutely right. I mean, everything's changing. There's there's not going to be labor-type jobs. And no, of course years. not, but They're you not don't tell that to anybody, because yeah. <laughs> every year without fail, but it's every year every politician without fail, we need more jobs, we need more jobs, we need more jobs for good, hard-working Americans. They all know what you just said. It's not some secret. I mean, they, I made a right. joke, like, be quiet, but of course, they all, every politician knows that, and by politician, I mean by definition a liar. So they all know that there are no more, they're not going to be more, more jobs, and you're not going to bring back manufacturing. It's not the way the world works anymore. And now with this raise in the minimum wage, they're just... In, in, increasing the, the the rate at which minimum wage and low-level jobs are going to be replaced like crazy. And so that ain't happening, and yet all the time every politician will always say, we need more jobs, everyone cheers, everyone loves them, and that's how they continue to, to look to get elected. So that continues to happen. Even Hillary, with her famous, we're going to put all the coal companies out of business, follows that up with, and we're going to find you good clean energy jobs to replace that. You know, it's yeah, all sure. about jobs, 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 even though... Sure they are always going to be less jobs than ever and which is why congratulations if you're listening to this you ought to be a business owner congratulations that's the right way to go all right so let's get back into the swing of things last week we kicked off our little series here on you know for the first three months we talked all about learning 
lessons learned from Donald Trump from his triumphs and, and his successes and the good things he does. And uh, he, you know, because of a few recent stumbles and bumbles, and, and of course his detractors would say he's been stumbling and bumbling since day one uh, or his whole life, but whatever, and I'm sure he has because you're a business owner, I'm a business owner, it's what we do. Stumble and bumble, we call it testing, and we're always trying something new, and if it works, we do more of it. If it doesn't work, we do less of it. If we hire the wrong guy, we get rid of him, we get somebody else. I mean, we, if we take on the wrong job or the wrong client, their trouble, we, we learn our lesson, we take on a better one next time. I mean, we're fumbling and bumbling, it's what we do. Uh, but anyway, I thought it's time to turn to why don't we learn, make some lemonade out of some of these lemons, and let's learn from some of the mistakes. So we covered one last week. If you haven't le- listened to that episode, you ought to go back and listen to that one. But uh, this week, we don't want to get into another mistake that Donald Trump made, and this one is what I'm just going to call in general, we're going to call losing focus. So Donald Trump, we know that for his whole adult life, and since he grew up in a household where his father was a real estate investor, pretty much his whole life, He's been thinking business, went to business school, took over the family business. Everything is business, 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 has started numerous businesses. They come and they go, they they work, they fail, whatever, you do a new one, Uh, all kinds of properties. Uh, Everything is business, business, business. So it's natural, but it's but he has to resist the natural urge to continue while he's on this year-and-a-half-long job interview for arguably the most important job in the world, that when you're on a job interview, which for a business owner is also all the time, anytime you're in front of a client or with a client or they can see anything you're doing on social media or in the public or anything, you're on a job interview, and so we're always on an interview, and you've got to keep focus. And he has gone off recently on a couple of tangents here where he can't, he's got to help himself. I say he can't help himself, but he has to. To, to start getting too much in, involved in his personal business, where he promised, and he even if he didn't, he should, uh, right in the beginning, that if you're going to do this and go for the president for the next year and a half, are you going to not focus on your personal business stuff? And, of course, he said yes. And we don't know behind the scenes how much time he spends while he's on his jet you know, 757 flying around to his next speaking engagement, is he spending those whole three hours talking politics with his aides and his and his assistants and whatever and planning the next thing or whatever? Or is he every now and again checking out a spreadsheet that one of his sons sent him about a investment project for the Trump company? And that stuff he, he should not be doing, uh, but certainly not when the public can see it. So, for instance, a couple of recent things, you know, somebody, they're, they're always challenging about this Trump University thing and the lawsuit, and he's like, went off on a tangent for days about the lawsuit and how he's going to win it and the judge is unfair because he's Mexican even though he's American and this and got him all these trouble. Like, stop it already. Just say, that's a lawsuit. We're going to win. It has nothing to do with the election. See ya. And then he did it again recently with this uh, Scotland, you know, flying over to Scotland in the middle of, in the middle, in whatever stage of the presidential campaign to, you know, just go oversee work that his son had done Eric had, had overseen this big project of renovating a golf course. Well, he's like, oh, I had to go over to, you know, inspect Eric's work, and he did great work. Of it. Yeah, of course he did great work. Leave it all. And if he did crummy work, then he's going to suffer. But you're, you promised your kids are taking over the business, and so let them take over the business. So, Everett, have you seen this? I mean, there's a lot of business owners who have other things going on. They have rental properties. They have other investments, might have another business. But you've got to stay focused, especially when the public, your prospects or customers, can see you because that's when you're on job interview. Well, yeah, absolutely. The the um, 
biggest mistake that uh, uh, that business owners make, entrepreneurs make, is is the bright shiny object syndrome, which we've we've talked about a million times. But it's just the thing that grabs their attention, uh, lack of focus, and especially lack of focus when it comes to getting the money. So. Uh, you know, I mean, you're sitting in front of a customer or you're talking to a customer on the phone or you're training your people on how to deal with customers. And, uh, you know, the customer has got to be the center of your universe for the time that you're spending trying to get money from them. And I don't care if that's, you know, 30 seconds, uh, you own a fast food restaurant, and it's 30 seconds while your person's at the cash register taking an order, or whether it's a, uh, uh, whether you're selling private jets for millions of dollars a clip, and there's a six or eight month or a year or two year long buying cycle. Doesn't matter. During that, during the time that you're communicating with that customer trying to get money from them, they've got to be the center of your universe. And if you're taking a look at, I think you mentioned rental property, or you're taking a look at what your other business is doing, or you got something else uh, going on in your head, uh, you're, you're, you're going to leave money on the table. You're not going to be as successful as you should be and as you deserve to be. Uh, although arguably, if you can't control your mind far, hard enough to, to focus in on what you're doing when it comes to getting money, you don't deserve to be more successful. But um, so, yeah, I, absolutely, I agree with you 100%. And well, great point, and I've seen this recently because, you know, we recently bought a home and we had all these contractors come over, uh, you know, we need a pool service company, a landscape, this and that, and I did see it happen right there while they're going around and pointing out this is what we do and we would do this. And oh, hang on a second, I got a call. And I'm like, really now? You really just did that? I'm look, You're looking to try and get out of me $100 a week for the next five years or what? that's $5,000, $6,000, and you decided that that couldn't wait? Ten, I mean, you don't remember 10 years ago when there were no cell phones? Like, you know, have some discipline. I mean, I, I was famous. Right. I, I've only had one corporate job, but I would go out and consult to small business owners on their market. I was like, this is cool, and I went and did that. And I was famous for going, uh, I don't know famous, but I, I would always tell all of them, like, I do not even take my cell phone. It's always in my car. I do not take it into an appointment still to this day. I don't take my cell phone in with me to an appointment. It stays at home. It stays in the car. I will not even be tempted to be interrupted when I'm in front of a prospect. And actually, when I am working from home and doing calls with clients and prospects, I have my cell phone. I don't even turn it on, plug it in. Ringer's never turned up. I, when I, whenever I turn it on, I, I was joking with somebody yesterday. I look on, I'm like, oh, this guy sent me a text message nine days ago. I guess I should respond now. Like, <laughs> uh, I will not interrupt. And right now, we're on this call. Before I made this call to record this episode of Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast, I had to type in the digits that that stop the call ringing from even beeping into the call, whatever, the call waiting. I had to stop that from happening, which I do before I make every call. I will not be interrupted. I don't have my emails in front of me. I don't have any phones and other devices or nothing in front of me. I don't accept any, no interruptions. The only interruption I will take when I'm with a client, customer, on a call is my formerly crazy, rambunctious, now old man, doggy, Cocker Spaniel coming in because he doesn't know any better. So he'll come in and uh, I'll pet him and then he'll go on his way. But otherwise, come on now, we got to focus. And so you see Trump making that mistake and you see the backlash that hits him because it's not just that he took that one day out of the campaign. It's he's on, he's, he's in the public eye. He's on a job interview. He's being scouted out, which you as a business owner are at all times by prospects and customers. Should I do repeat business with him? Should I refer him? Should I, you know, become a per client, customer, patient, whatever? 
everyone's watching what you're doing and everyone sees, is he going to do this over the next four years at some point? Oh, yeah, I got an important meeting with the ambassador of whatever. Hang on. I got to fly over to wherever to check out a golf course. And so everyone just shakes <laughs> their head and goes, no, 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 you can't do it. You just can't, you do, can't it. do that. Yeah, so I, I'll, uh, I'll just, we don't really just, have to beat a dead horse, do we? I mean, you you got to focus. And even if you have the multiple business interests, at, at the very least, you cannot let your prospects, who are your customers, current customers, are all always prospects to keep doing business with you. You can't let anybody who's thinking of doing business with you see that they are not the center of your universe, that you're focusing on the job and on them. Absolutely. And in this world, like you said, Everett, I I love the phrase you used, the shiny object. In this world of distractions, it so easily gets distracted. Now, here's one way I have of putting it, is I always say the good news and the bad news, is you're your own boss. You know, it's good news, you're your own boss, but that's also the bad news. So let me ask you this. If you had an employee who was (laughs) out doing an estimate, and while he was on the estimate, he decided, uh, hang on a second, ma'am, I got a phone call about a uh, private uh, real estate thing that I own that I do on the weekends, and I got to take this call. Is that something you would tolerate? If you had, you know, six painters painting the side of the house, would you let one guy have to walk all the way down the ladder because his phone's ringing? And hang on, I'll be right back up on the job, but... uh, you know, I have a multi-level marketing business, and somebody's calling to order their soap for this month, so hang on, I'll be right back up. Like, yeah, no, there's that, no way that, that would be tolerated, employee. So you're your own boss. That means you have to boss yourself, and you can't tolerate that in yourself. Congratulations, you're your boss. The bad news is you got a real shitty employee now. Oh, ouch! <laughs> and with that... We will stop beating the dead horse, and we, we will call, bring this edition of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast to a close with that emphatic ending note. And so we will be back next week with another lesson learned from another mistake from Donald Trump because we're business owners. We, we're not perfect. Donald Trump's not perfect. We can learn from the good things. We'll learn from the mistakes. We'll have one more in our series of learning from a mistake made by the greatest entrepreneur slash politician of our lifetime, the one and only Donald Trump. And with that, it's over now for Steve Cypress and my unbelievably huge, fantastic, so great that he's back here. I mean, he just, I got to tell you, he is just a fantastic, excellent person. And uh, he's just, it's unbelievable to have him back here. The podcast is better than ever with him. Without Everett, uh, this just wouldn't be as great. And we're making podcasting great again. I, I even think, Everett, having you on here makes us even more podcast-adential than ever. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because my, my goal is to be podcast-adential. I had to throw that in there because I know how much you love that word when I first made it <laughs> up a few weeks ago. So uh, that's it, folks. Thanks, Everett, for being back here. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. Same time, same channel. You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the Internet today. If you want to be a winner like Trump, make sure you go listen to the rest of the episodes by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com. And join us next time. Unless you like being a loser. Some people do, I guess.